Hello, my friends. So glad to see you. Let me welcome everybody watching in Palm Bay and the land. We're so glad that you're there. Everybody watching online. Listen, here's the deal. It doesn't matter where you are, you get your Bible out. I'm going to say some very, very hard things today. And uh, I want you to know that it's God that you're upset at and not me. Okay? So, because uh, we believe here that I've got no authority. The church has no authority. Leadership has no authority. The authority is 100% in the Word of God. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, I'm just warning you. And I've, I, listen, I didn't write the book of Isaiah either. Uh, I warned last night. I always tell you when it's going to be tough, you need to grab your seatbelt and buckle in. This is one, again, you may have to pull it across two of you because uh, it may need to, you need to hold somebody else down. Last night, I lost two people about 10 minutes in because they did not buckle in and they didn't make it to the good part at the end because they couldn't handle, they couldn't handle the first 10 minutes. So uh, buckle yourself in. My job is to tell you the truth. And here's, here's the deal. God holds me accountable. In eternity, I'll be held accountable for whether I told you the truth or not. And so as Ezekiel said, your blood's on your head. That you give people information, it's up to them what they choose to do with it. Is that, is that okay with you? So get, go ahead and buckle in. I promise it's going to hurt, but here we go. First of all, let me say thank you for everybody who brought food in. Uh, you may wonder what we do with all this food that we bring in. Well, I'll tell you. Uh, several hundred families a month come through our food pantry here. Several hundred families go through our food pantry in Palm Bay, and we help hundreds of people in the land with our uh, outreach over there. We also have a food pantry in Pearson. We also have a food pantry in Fort Lauderdale at a sister church that we work with down there. And over Christmas, because of all that was going on, we ended up starting a food pantry in almost every elementary school in Volusia County, as it turned out. And uh, we just told them, when you get low, you call us and we'll replenish you. So just know that when you, you bring in those cans, like, what, what? I promise you I'm not eating all those SpaghettiOs, okay? It may, it may look like it, but I'm not. You're, uh, you're helping five Five food pantries uh, around the state, and you are taking care literally of hundreds of kids throughout Volusia County. So I say thank you. All right. So, and that is that's ongoing. All right. That, I mean, we do this for Super Bowl Sunday um, to celebrate the Chiefs, but it, it's uh, it's um, it's it doesn't it doesn't have to be. I mean, you can bring in food anytime. It's always needed. You don't even have to wonder. The answer is always. Yes. So anytime during the year, if you just your store, pick up a few extra cans, bring them, bring them with you. That's uh, that's always a blessing. And this is the uh, the last day of our pro life. You can give to pro life year round as well. But this is our last weekend push for it. I think there's a few pink envelopes left in the seats. Uh, but you can also just write on an envelope pro life, and uh, we'll be uh, getting that money out to the pro life ministries in, in the next week or two. So you can drop that money in the bucket online. It's still the highlight. Mission. If you scroll down, highlighted missions, it'll go over to, uh, to pro-life. So we're in Isaiah 6 today, but before we dive into that, I want to tell you about Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. It says that the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. You know what that means? It means it's going to cut. It's going to slice going in. It's going to slice coming out. 
It's going to hurt. And if coming to church doesn't hurt, you've not been to church. If preaching doesn't hurt, you haven't heard preaching. And we live in a culture, and I, I doubt that anybody in this room listens to as many sermons as I do, but I listen to them, and what I hear is a watered-down gobbledygook of stuff that sounds like Christianity, but it's not. And it usually comes out like this. God is all love and God loves you. And it doesn't matter whether you love a horse or a chicken or a man or a woman. It doesn't matter because God is love and everybody ends up in heaven. It's not even remotely the gospel. It's not even close. Sounds good. I listen. Sharp speakers, I listen to this stuff. It's baloney. You and I have sinned, and we're separated from an all-holy God. God sent His own Son to die on a cross to repair that relationship, and so that you and I would read His Word and know what is right from wrong to align our lives with Him. We live in a time, seriously, where the things that we're talking about, I never thought I'd have to talk about. But I'm going to, all right? Whether we're talking about, we'll just, we'll just cover the spectrum, shall we? Whether we're talking about transsexual situations, people can't tell whether they're male, female, or 68 other genders. The Bible speaks real clearly about that, male and female, that's all. And then we have problems with sexuality. Well, who sleeps with who? And I don't think God cares. God just wants us to love each other. No, look up. Just here's what you do. You Google it. You don't even have to look anything up anymore. Your life is so easy. Just Google. What does the Bible say about homosexuality? You'll be busy for a while. What does the Bible say about cross-dressing? You'll be busy for a long time. What does the Bible say about transsexuality? The Bible will keep you busy. What does the Bible say about having sex outside of marriage in a heterosexual relationship? The Bible will keep you very busy. But see, if I don't tell you this... If we don't know the truth, how do we ever reach out to a God who came to save us? If we're all just good. Here's what I hear churches saying. This is what I hear a lot of pastors saying. Listen, you just live however you want. It's a dog and pony show. Once we get to God, he's going to let us all in and it's going to be okay. What I really hear is, listen, you're all going to hell and I want to cheer you on. I can't do that. I've got to tell you what Scripture really says. And if you don't hurt when you leave church, you haven't been to church. All right? I just want you to know that. Now, I went to the library the other day. Luann and I were, been, you know, cleaning out, remodeling, everything everybody else is doing through this nine months of pandemic uh, craziness that's been going on. Ten months, three years, whatever it's been. Anyway... Had a bunch of uh, magazines, and we were taking stuff to the thrift store, and I took the magazines down to um, the library. I thought, well, maybe they, they could use them. So I went in, and ladies said, I, I seem to have issues. So I thought, well, while I'm there, I'm going to go ahead and reserve a, a meeting room for a meeting I had coming up. They told me they were booked. <laughs> Help him, Lord. See, that's, the, that's what I need down front. Help him, Lord. Listen, here's the truth. This is where we miss it and why you miss an all-holy God. Every single one of us in this room, Palm Bay, DeLand, online, all of us have issues. And they are deep. The Bible calls those issues 
sin. People tap dance around that word. Sin is very simple, missing the mark. But we live in a culture where nothing is sin and everything is right. In fact, the only thing we call sin most of the time now is what's actually right. It's, we've lost our minds, which is what Isaiah talks about. So when Isaiah is speaking to the people in Jerusalem, God's people, they're involved in all kinds of gross sexual immorality. Isaiah is dealing with that. They're dealing with idolatry. They're worshiping everything except what they should worship. Now here's what, I'm going to ad lib a little bit onto the Bible, but when you read Matthew 25, and it talks about heaven and hell, I much prefer to talk about heaven, but it talks about hell, and it says it's a place where we're separated from God, it is a place of darkness, it's a place of eternal fire, a place of eternal suffering, and weeping and gnashing of teeth. How many want to go to hell? Now let me tell you what some others have written about this. This is very interesting that they believe that hell, you will be spent suffering with the sins you committed. So, for instance, let's say you were a liar or a gossiper. For all of eternity, your tongue will be on fire. Let's say your problem was another part of your anatomy. For all of eternity, that part of your body will be on fire. Now, I don't know if we need to get that graphic, but it's a reminder of how horrible hell is cut off from God. And people say, well, how could an all-loving God... You're wrong. You're wrong. Is he a God of love? Yes, he is. Then why did Jesus have to die? Anybody? Because he's a just God as well. He loved you enough to send Jesus to die for you. He did not love you enough to say, live however you want, it doesn't matter. He loved you enough to say, Jesus paid the price, accept what Jesus did, now begin to transform your life to become like Jesus. Does that make sense? We live in a culture where the church seems to say, well, I'm going to bring Jesus down to my level, rather than say, no, I have got to try to move myself up to Jesus' level. And there's a huge difference between that. Isaiah chapter 6, arguably the greatest chapter in all of Scripture. Isaiah sees a vision of God. Stand with me out of respect for God's Word. Follow along. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above Him were flying, fiery angels. Let's stop there for a minute. You have an idea of these little angels sitting on your shoulders playing a harp. All right, let me, let me change that. How about we make them 50 feet tall? We make their bodies flaming fire. And everybody who's a believer in Christ, according to Hebrews 1, has guardian angels. It's plural. So there's 500 or so of us in here. So there's at least a thousand of those fiery guardian 50 foot angels standing all around this building protecting you and me. These are not playful little things in cartoons. Above him were the fiery angels, each one with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And they were calling to one another, same message you see in Revelation. One message around the throne of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, and the whole earth is full of his glory. The sound of their voices 
God's voice? No, no, no. The angels' voices. The doorpost and the threshold of the temple shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe is me, for I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips and I live amongst the people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of those fiery angels flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin has been atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I. Send me. You can be seated. So Isaiah sees a vision of God. This is Isaiah's calling. Now we use this most of the time when we're talking about missionaries. Any missionary conference you go to on planet earth, this is going to be the passage that they're going to preach. Okay, it works. But hang on. So Isaiah has this vision. And the first response is he's in awe. What does he see? He sees the very presence of God. He sees the train of his robe. He just sees the bottom of God's robe. It fills the temple. There's smoke everywhere. He hears the voice of an angel. The whole temple is shaken because of the voice of the angels. He is in absolute awe. Now, the first challenge we usually get from people is they say, well, you know none of this is true, right? You know none of this is historic. This is all stuff people made up. In the year that King Uzziah died, I wish we knew what year King Uzziah died. 740 B.C. is when King Uzziah died. His death was marked by a huge earthquake, so it's mentioned by a number of historians. We know exactly when Uzziah died. Well, it's too bad we can't prove that Uzziah really lived. How about his gravestone. Would that make you happy? There's his gravestone. Uh, It took him a while to find Uzziah's gravestone because it didn't find his until 1931 because in the Kidron Valley where all the Israeli kings are buried from one end to the other, starting with Abel actually in the book of Genesis, where they were all buried, they could not find Uzziah. Uzziah was all the way down at the end separated from all the rest of the kings. Let me tell you why. Uzziah was a good king. Uzziah was king of Judah, and he was a good man. I believe he ruled for 50 years. Check me out. Um, He was a good king, except he made one big mistake. One day, there was not a prophet there. There was not somebody there to offer an offering to God. And so the king said, well, I'll just do it myself. God's really big on us staying in our own lane. And because Uzziah broke the word of God... God struck him with leprosy. So Uzziah dies as a leper. So when they buried Uzziah, they buried him way down the valley, away from everybody else, to tell their children, this is why you obey the word of God, because even as a king, you won't be with the other kings if you disobey the word of God. Is that not good stuff? So there's his tombstone. But Isaiah is in awe of God. That's the whole point. He, his jaw hits the floor. I'm sure he hit the floor. And he says, I am a man of unclean lips. 
I live amongst the people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the king. First of all, I want you to see the identity there. Anytime a pastor does not identify with you, you got the wrong pastor. We're all, we're all in this boat together. We're all sinners. We all need Jesus Christ. Don't be preached down to. We all need the same Savior. That's why Jesus came into the world. But also don't let some preacher tell you something that's contrary to the Word of God. He's in awe of who God is. Now this gives me an opportunity because I try to show you every possible way to be in awe of God. So today's creation moment, we go to our friendly platypus. A bill like a duck, hair like a bear, venom like a snake, a beaver-like tail, spurs like a rooster, feeds young with milk, claws like a reptile, lays eggs like a turtle, and web feet like an otter. Evolutionists do not like to talk about the duck-billed platypus. Because here's the problem. It looks like that could be a perfect example of evolution, doesn't it? Look, we got all kinds of pieces and parts coming together. Here's the problem. All through the historic record, all through the geologic record, a platypus is always a platypus. He's never changed. This is how God designed him. To say, watch this, boys. I mean, I almost see God going, okay, scientists, go ahead. Let's see what you got. See, God put everything on this earth to wow us. Why do you think all the stars are out there? He didn't have to do that. He could have just, he could have just put a little tent over us and painted stars. We wouldn't have known the difference. But he put it up there so we would go, wow, David says the heavens declare the glory of God. So that we would be in awe of who he is as our creator and our savior. But we live in a time when people are trying to yank God down to our level and say, God, you need to accept me the way I am. And God says, no, I love you in spite of how you are. You see, the calling of God, you need to understand this. When God calls you, well, he's calling you right now to accept Jesus Christ. Decision right over here. I've decided online. All right. If God, you're here, I, I need to get saved. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Okay. That call is for everybody. Nobody is excluded. But you don't get to write the invitation. Jesus is the one that decides what that looks like. And it says that no other name under heaven except the name of Jesus is how we get in. So what do we do with this? Well, you see, if you're not in awe of God, if you brought God down to your level, or if you think the God that we're talking about is just one of hundreds or thousands of other gods and goddesses, you're not going to be in awe of the living God. But Isaiah was blown away being in the presence of God. Psalm 65, 8, those living far away, fear your wonders. Where morning dawns and evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. He was in that moment where he knew he was dealing with something way, way, way beyond himself. At the end of the book of John, I love this passage, John chapter 21, where John, John said, everything that's been written is so that you and I would believe. And he said, if Everything Jesus did were written down. There wouldn't be enough books to hold it all in the whole world. Wow.
And you know what? He's still writing. He's still writing. I just prayed for one today. One person to get it. If five of you leave mad at me and one person gets it, Jesus wins. That's okay. That's okay. You see, we've, we've come to a point, I think, in church history where we believe that the goal of the church is to make people happy. That the goal of the church is for us to fit in with the community. The church was never supposed to fit in with the community. We have a radical message, a radical message of salvation, one that is available for them. But we're not supposed to fit in with them. We're supposed to be salt and light in a bland and dark world. Does that make sense? But then he says, I'm ruined. I'm ruined. Notice he didn't say we're ruined. He said, I'm ruined. He said, I am a man of unclean lips. And I live amongst a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the king. Now, you know, we talked about this. We touched on it last week. But here's 52 nations in the world where the Bible is illegal. 52 nations where it's illegal to even have a copy of the word of God. If it's full of fairy tales, why are they so afraid of it? They don't ban anything else. Far as I know, it's the only religious book that is banned and burned and thrown away. They're terrified of the book. They're terrified of our Jesus. Because if he's true, there's no other way to heaven. And Isaiah says, look, when I saw Jesus, I was ruined. If you don't get to that spot, you'll never understand how great Jesus is. That's why you've got to repent of your sin. That's why you've got to know what sin is. If you're like, you know what, I am just all that. I, I'm a great guy. I'm a great lady. I, I'm really, God's pretty fortunate to have me. You don't understand the holiness of God. You and I are so far. Do you know Isaiah later, and we'll get to this later at the very end of the book. He says, all the best things you can do are as filthy rags in God's sight. That's when you're doing your best. Isaiah said, I'm ruined. Uh, I've got to be rig sure I get this quote just right because I don't want any lawsuits. McDonald's came out this week. This is a quote. I'll make sure I get the quote right. They said, if... We have any harmful things in our wrapping products. If we have anything that could hurt you, we pledge to get those out by 2025. <laughs> now, if that doesn't encourage you, I don't know. I'm still going to get the cheeseburger. It doesn't matter. But just, just saying. But I read it and I thought... That's what I run into with so many people. I'm going to get my life right in 10 years. Somewhere in the next five years, I'm going to accept Jesus. If you live that long, if the world lasts that long, if we don't get hit by the tornado that's coming through this afternoon. You don't, you don't know. To put off, you know what, to put off some decisions, I get it. I just, I'm going to wait till Thursday to make that decision. Why would you put off going to hell or heaven? Why would anyone put off that decision if you know that by accepting Jesus, by admitting, I am ruined, I'm a man of unclean lips, what happened? An angel came with tongs, took a coal from the altar, the, the sacrifice before God, and touched his lips and said, Isaiah, your sins have been atoned for. 
That word atonement is a New Testament word. It's used all through the book of Romans, specifically in Romans 5. And it means that you are now at one with God. So at one moment, Isaiah said, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. At the next moment, because he'd had contact with God's forgiveness, he was at one with God. Atonement. That's what happens when you and I accept Jesus Christ. When you repent of your sins, well, first of all, you've got to admit that you're a sinner. And that you are a man, a woman of unclean lips and an unclean life. And that you need a Savior. And then you accept Jesus. You turn from those old ways. You're baptized. And then you say, my job is to follow the Word of God. It is not to listen to some fluff out there telling me, oh, God is all love. God is all love. It also says in Hebrews 10, it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. See, I can be Mr. Fluff. I really can. You don't see it much, but I really can. I can also be Mr. Angry. It just depends on how you approach me. It just depends where you and I are in a confrontational situation, which Joe you're going to get. Same thing is true with God. He's all love. He offers love, but he's also a God of justice, which leads us to the real core of this, which is in verse 8. So after his sins have been atoned for, God says, now don't miss this because the word is plural. God says, who will go for us? Now don't panic. All right. thought there was one God. There is one God. He exists in three forms, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, don't let that bother you. People get so worked up about the Trinity. Listen, I stand up here right now, and you are looking at a son, a father, and a husband. Did you see me change during any of that? I was consistent through that whole move right there, wasn't I? I'm three in one. As you're looking at me, I am a body. That's that part. I am a spirit. That's the funny guy. And I am a soul. And that's the eternal part of me. Now that's all going on at the same time. All you see is the body. But it's all, they're all three here. So God says, Isaiah, who will go for us? Who's going to go tell us? Now this is the point where we usually really pound on the, on the missionary thing. You know, <clears throat> God needs you to go and be a missionary. <clears throat> Who's going to sign up? Who's going to go? And that works. We could talk about that. We really could do that. Here's the problem. In this particular story, you have an idea that all these people are there. So it'd be like me going, okay, who's going to bring ravioli tomorrow? Who's going to bring the next can? And somebody over here is going, you know what, that guy over there, he'll probably do it. Who's going to teach that class? Who's going to step up and help? Probably those people over here. Somebody else will do it. But that's not what's going on here. Isaiah is the only guy in the room. And God looks at Isaiah one-on-one. -on -one, and he said, Isaiah, you now know the truth. You know about the Word of God. You know about atonement. You know I'm a just God. And you know I'm a forgiving God. Now, Isaiah, who's going to go tell everybody? And we know God's name is I Am. And Isaiah said, here am I. I am, am I. 
He said, here am I, send me. So where did Isaiah go? He's going to speak to everybody. We'll be looking in weeks to come. He's going to speak to Syria and Assyria. And he's going to speak to the nations all around him. He's got prophecies for all the people. But Isaiah never leaves the city of Jerusalem. Do you know God is calling us to be missionaries right where we are? What is a missionary? A missionary is someone who is sent. Someone who is sent to a world that doesn't know about Jesus yet. That's all it is. Do you know we're number two? The United States of America is the most unreached country in the world. Isn't that crazy? China's number one, and we're number two. The most number of people that have never even heard the name of Jesus other, as a, other than as a cuss word. And you and I have this information. So what is the challenge? The challenge is God's looking you in the eye. He's looking me in the eye. He's not saying, okay, I need one of you. I need one of you. Who's going to step? I need three of you. No, this is you and God, one-on-one. And God says, who will go for us? Now, I love Isaiah's response, and we don't have time to go through the whole thing. But Isaiah says, okay, here am I, send me. Then he asks a great question. How long I have to do this? And God says, till there's nobody left to talk to. So there's not a house left that hasn't heard about how great God is. Zaiden, not great missionary in Zimbabwe, he and his family moved there in 1961. And there's a, I think we have a picture of him there, but there was a picture of him with all of the chiefs from a tribe they went to in Zimbabwe. And the chiefs had all become Christians, and they were sharing the gospel with all of their tribes. And a huge revival all over South Africa because they were there. And the chief said to the missionary, what took you so long to bring us this message? If you knew it was so good, what took you so long to get here? Let me finish with this. This is a little boy that, this story is just a couple weeks old. Uh, it was a terrible fire and the, their house burned down. And this seven-year-old boy was standing outside and his sister, six-year-old sister was inside screaming for help. And the boy went inside and he grabbed his sister and he pulled her out. So they interviewed the boy. It's cool, they gave him a mic and and they said, young man, weren't you scared? He goes, oh, yeah, I was scared. He said, but not nearly as scared as I was to let my sister die. Sometimes I wonder if we're not so afraid of people and situations that we're willing to let people die. Here's what I know. All right, you can take this story to the bank. You and I are either the boy going in to rescue our sister or we're the sister that needs to be rescued. Father, I pray today that your Holy Spirit would work as only you can. God, I can't convince anybody of anything. But I know your word is true, and I know that the Holy Spirit works in people's lives. So, Lord, do what only you can do. Those who need to accept you, those who need to quit playing games and actually realize, hey, there are things that I have to get lined up in my life. Lord, you speak. In Jesus' name.
Amen.